Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhaus with the Cleveland Indians, and you are listening to the Fantasy Jester. That's right. That'd be me. We're going to kick things off right away. We don't even have the entrance for the one-minute music and all that stuff, and uh, it sounds great to pump everybody up, but we've got to get right to it tonight because we have that kind of show here tonight. Fantasy Just a Show. How's everybody doing? That's right. You know who it is. The one, the only Fantasy Just a um, you kind of know that even if you are new to the show, and if you are, welcome. Glad to have you aboard Strikes, Mikes, and Tykes on this week's show. MLB, our spring training coverage starts. JT and Tate, they've been in Arizona seeing 10 games, seven days of practice play to bring you some great info. Myself, I've spent three days with the New York Yankees and started around the Grapefruit League. I've started going to a couple of games, bringing you the fantasy baseball coverage. Old-fashioned way, we're going to the games so that we can give you not just numbers as we talk about this these next three weeks. If you are a fantasy baseball player, you are checking out the Fantasy Jester Show, fantasyjestersports.com. For all your needs right now, for every last-minute breakdown, some news that we've got, different snippets that we're going to have. And then, of course, of course, this is all brought to you through that crystal clear sound, Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for the folks there for doing a fantastic job. As I come to you live, Leesburg, Florida tonight, uh, I won't tell you the temperature because I know some of you are still dealing and digging out, but it is Florida, so you use your imagination from there. They have spring training here and Arizona for a reason. Again, can't wait to bring in T- JT Tate for that. Also, NFL, oh my Lord, has the NFL gone nuts the past couple of days? And who the hell started running Cleveland? All of a sudden, Cleveland has an offense, and if they draft Bark. Wow, 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 wow. Just some stuff going on in the NFL. Great times as you're getting ready. Oh, my Lord. And then, if that's not enough, you have the NHL. And the mad scramble, that is, to the end here, to the playoffs. And you've got teams like people thought that Boston – you know, starting to get some injuries and, and whatnot would fall off. They're 8-2-0 and in their last 10. The Lightning making a couple of deals right there at the trade deadline. 9-0-1. Preds, 10-0 in their last 10. You have some hot teams getting ready, making this final stretch run. We're going to talk some hockey later on. NBA. You know, is it is it going to be pretty much the Golden State show? We're going to talk about that, obviously, and more. Some fantasy players. If we have time, a little NASCAR as well. But without a question, I want to go ahead and get right to today's rant. If you're new to the show, this is my time to find something wrong with 
sports or something in general that really just irks me. And I have to go to the NCAA. It is a usual spot that I like to go because I do find so much wrong with the NCAA in general and how they treat their student athletes. But the other day when I read a tweet by Teddy Bridgewater, a graduate from Louis, I'd be wanting to tweet, but I honestly don't be knowing what to talk about on Twitter. I'd be wanting to talk to his English teacher that be passing this young man all the way he be passing in high school, he be passing in college. The NCAA made just short of a trillion dollars in revenue in 2016 off of the blood, sweat, and tears of the youth of America. They owe it to each and every young Teddy Bridgewater out there that has helped make them a trillion-dollar business. They owe every Teddy Bridgewater that is currently out there because he be wanting to tweet, but he honestly don't be knowing what to talk about is a college graduate. You know, if the NCAA stopped worrying about what they're doing with that trillion dollars in their pockets, this nonprofit organization, and paid attention to the student athletes that are lining their pockets, it'd really be nice if somebody showed a damn conscience at the NCAA level. It is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I'm done. Uh, I, I could, trust me, some of you already know how I feel about other things about the NCAA. Without this. Without this. You have failed that young man and yet made a fortune off of him. His English teacher... I'd like to meet the English teachers from high school on up that passed this young man, that failed this young man. I would like to talk to the head of the trillion-dollar NCAA personally and ask him why they don't care about athletes and what he has to say about how Teddy Bridgewater speaks. I want to know the answer. I'll never get it. What I will get, though, is JT. I'm done. We will get JT in here to calm me down. And, uh, you know, JT's been out on the dusty trail in Arizona. I don't know. Let's ask him, is he Joe Boo or is he the bartender? JT, what's going on, man? How's everything? Uh, everything's good. And, you know, as far as, far as your rant goes, 
I mean, you look at guys like Jarvis Landry and other guys on there. It, it, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I'm not willing to put all that on the NCAA and the teachers. Uh, it's it's cool now, or shall we say it's not cool now to be intelligent if you look at how 90% of the athletes tweet out there. They sound like morons anyway. So, again, I don't know if that's all in the NCAA, but uh, back from the Cactus League, as you said, Tate and I out there uh, hitting the, uh, you know, Western Deserts uh, to catch some Cactus League baseball, 10 stadiums, seven days. It was a fantastic trip. It must have been. It, it, you know, I, I was trying to keep track. Uh, as I'm doing everything down here in Florida, I'm trying to keep track of where you guys are. And at one point, I just completely – I had no idea. I, I completely lost track. You guys, how many double dips did you do? How many two, day, uh, two days in a row? Two games in a row uh, did you do? Oh, we got uh, three in a row. We did three, three double, in a row? double headers in a row. Nice. Yeah. That's catching some Worked baseball for you. Well, that's catching hey. some baseball. You know, and that one of the things about that, JT, is, you know, people need to understand that it's not just about the numbers. And you want to listen to your fantasy analyst, whether it's myself, JT, or Tate. Or other guys that actually go out there and physically see for themselves and learn for themselves or talk to coaches, talk to whomever to get ideas and ask questions and find out. And if you can't do that, that's why you listen to somebody like JT, who he went out on his own. This is JT and Tate went out on their own dime, okay, for all of you folks. And at one point, six games, three days. JT, uh, great job, man. I can't wait to hear about it uh, later on. But you know what? It, it's, uh, it's, there's been a lot going on in the NFL, and I've really got to get to that uh, with you. And that is, uh, you know, I guess right off the bat, let's, let's talk Cleveland and uh, how you feel about what they're doing, especially since you went ahead. Uh, it, it involves one of your players. I mean, you look at what Cleveland's done. John Dorsey goes out and, uh, you know, makes a few moves, moves to Sean Kaiser to get to Marius Randall, uh, so, you know, trades a fourth and a seventh next year for Jarvis Landry, um, acquires Tyrod Taylor from Buffalo. So, you know, he's gone out and made a few moves so far to try to get a little energy, uh, energy into that franchise uh, right before the draft, right before free agency to make a more attractive destination, I think, in free agency. Uh, for for the players that are that are out there to sign, so a uh, good move on his part. Uh, you know everybody's talking about ha ha he he Cleveland and what their record's been the past two years, but instant offense and and even if even if you say well Taylor's just a holdover, they still have positioned themselves rather well. With Coleman and and, and Juice now and and Joku and Gordon and probably Barkley and if you leave Tyrod completely out of the question, you know the, the discussion, you can go ahead and say, well, what do they do with the fourth pick overall? Go out and get a quarterback. So, I mean, really, as far as from the offensive side of the ball, 
you can go ahead. I'm sure they're going in second or third round. They'll go for a lineman. I mean, wouldn't you think at that point they're going to go add uh, a lineman for uh, you know, a little Thomas protection? Yeah, I would think you'd, you'd have to look at, at a lineman. But they have so many picks. Uh, so do the Buffalo Bills. The, those two teams have so many picks in the first three rounds. Uh, you know, I don't see how they don't end up adding uh, some help on the offensive line. But, uh, you know, if, if it's me, see, I disagree. I don't look at quarterback at four. At this point, I look uh, I look quarterback in the second round. At this point, it's a deep quarterback draft. the The difference between the guy at the top to the say the fifth or sixth quarterback is marginal at best. So I think you uh, I think you go defensive back. They haven't replaced Joe Hayden yet. Randall's a nice corner, but they need a number one corner and they have a chance to get one with the fourth pick. So I'd go Barkley and, and Ward myself at four if I were the Browns. Interesting, interesting. So and then what would you do uh, as far and just keep Tyrod? Would you even draft the quarterback this year? Oh yeah, I'd look in the second round, and I still think uh, somebody like a Lamar Jackson or somebody that who has a good chance to be there at the top of the second round. I think that's somebody you go get uh, because the type of the type of offensive line. Uh, let's just be honest, the talent on the offensive line that they're sitting on right now. They need a quarterback that can move around. They got that in Tyrod Taylor, and I think Lamar Jackson who has, his, you know, everybody's worried about, oh, his completion percentage. It's increased drastically each of the last three years. He's up to almost 60% last year. I think the guy's got a lot of talent. Uh, I'd look at someone like him in the second round, and he learns from a guy like Tyrod, who has a similar skill set. So uh, that, that's where I would go. You know, it's funny that you go ahead and that you mentioned the uh, Buffalo Bills being stocked uh, with draft picks, and you mentioned Lamar Jackson because – our next guest that's on the line, Tate Dello, who's gone ahead and not just covered the uh, baseball portion of the show for us, but is also heavily vested and a very good fantasy player for you folks out there who might not know who he is. Start paying attention to what Tate has to say. It's not just about uh, JT and myself. You have to follow Tate. Tate is very learned in all his sports. And the more you listen, the more you'll get that point. And I really want to bring him in into this discussion right now at this point. What's up, Tate? How you doing, man? How's everything going tonight? Hey, how are you guys today? <clears throat> Sorry, some technical difficulty on my end. Uh, a little late late to the show, but uh, I'm here, and I hear you guys talking about the Bills and the Browns trade. And uh, just jump in there. You, JT already mentioned the Bills have a bunch of picks in the first three rounds. They actually have six picks in the first three rounds, two two in the first, two in the second, and two in the third. Uh, The pick that they got for Tyrod Taylor happens to be the first pick in the third round from the Browns. Wow. Nice. So now let me ask you something. Uh, When you take a look at that and you're taking a look at your team, who do you want or who do you think that the Bills will go with now for quarterback? Well, it, right now, their first two picks is at 21 and 22 in the first round. Uh, what I'm hearing is that they are potentially, obviously, at this point, they really don't have quarterbacks. They've got two quarterbacks left on their roster, technically one in Peterman, but uh, they've got Webb on the roster as well, but he's also somewhat of a free agent as well as semi-restricted, I believe. But uh so they're kind of tied into having to get a quarterback from somewhere. 
whether they go free agency or draft. I don't see them spending the money on someone like Cousins, so definitely draft is the way to go. I've heard three names being mentioned as who they're targeting. Uh, Lamar Jackson that you guys mentioned makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, He's been compared to Michael Vick and Cam Newton. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of the Bills front office and coaching staff, as you guys know, and most of our listeners probably know, come from the Carolina coaching tree and the Carolina front office. So it would make sense that they go and target a Lamar Jackson, who's a Cam Newton similarities, and to bring him in to fit their scheme and, and such. So Lamar Jackson is one. I've also heard Josh Allen has some interest from them and Baker Mayfield. But in order to get those guys, I think they're going to have to do something and probably package that number 21 and 22 pick in the first round somewhere, as well as some other stuff to try to move up. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you on that sense in the idea that me personally, if I'm the Bills now and I'm in that situation, uh, I would go ahead package one of those two first rounds and the lesser of the third rounds. To just go ahead and move up, see who bites at that. I did not know. See, you go ahead, and I appreciate assuming that all of us are all that smart. Until you told me, I had no clue that a good portion of the Buffalo staff, uh, the uh, Buffalo staff, was former Carolina uh, people. So that is good information, and really appreciate it. I'm sure a lot of the listeners might not have known that. So that's good stuff, right there, Tate. Uh, this just in, as we've been speaking and talking about the NFL, Richard Sherman agrees to a deal with the 49ers, and uh, it's a three-year contract. And how, how do you how do you guys like that? How do you guys see that? Uh, I'm going to start with JT on that one. Uh, do you think he still has something on the, in the tank? And how much does he really help uh, that San Fran team? Well, I mean, let's let's look at that division in general, uh, the teams that they play the most. Not a lot, in my opinion, not a lot of speed at the wide receiver. Sammy Watkins is a free agent. Paul Richardson's a free agent, so who knows where they go. So I think he's more of a press corner. I don't think he needs uh, top-end elite speed. I mean, Darrell, Darrell Rebus did it for how many years without elite speed? So I think he's, he's a smart guy. He's a student of the game. He's got the belief in himself, which I think are the three things you need the most. Uh, and I think he'll I think he'll do well in that division. Uh, you know he knows the 49ers. He knows that division. Uh, my question to you guys is though, I thought free agency started on the 14th of March. It's funny to hear about all these contracts negotiated. I'm wondering when somebody's going to get a little butthurt about it and cry uh, collusion or, or excuse me, not collusion but tampering. At some point, it's going to happen. All these agreements that are going on, it's going to happen. You know, that is a great point that you bring up. And how is it not? How are all these announcements being made? And it's not. I I don't understand. It's an open violation of the rules and nobody's saying anything other than JT, apparently. I mean, that's that's crazy. Somebody's going to get hurt about it and somebody's going to file tampering charges. And technically, you can't negotiate a deal with anyone until the first day of the league new year, which is March 14th. Anyway, Tate, your thoughts on Richard Sherman? I think Richard Sherman still does still have gas in the tank. It's just a matter of how healthy is he. If he's nursing injuries all season like he did last year 
and somewhat the year before that in Seattle, then no, he's not worth, you're not going to get the bang for the buck that you're paying for. But uh, as long as he can stay healthy and uh, be on the field, then I think it's definitely a, a nice signing for San Francisco and he'll fit in well, well with them, like JT said, and it'll give them something on that defensive side to hopefully keep them more in the game with for uh, Garoppolo and that offense they're trying to build over there on the other side of the ball. And just one quick thought to that. Okay, yeah, and then I've got one potato after you're done. Go ahead. Okay, what the 49ers effectively did, in my opinion, is replace the leadership that they lost when they got rid of Navarro Bowman last year. They now have a leader on that defense, and I think some of that contract, you got to look at what he provides as far as that leadership and that playoff. They now have a guy who's got playoff experience, Super Bowl experience. So I think the intangibles have a lot to do with that contract as well as the actual play. Correct. Oh, yeah, no, without a question, without a question. Uh, One of the things I I was going to ask Tate in this, uh, because he is a fantasy player, Uh, Tate, with all the losses now on the Seattle defense, does this, in your opinion, does this help Russell Wilson's value go up because he's now going to be playing on a team with uh, it could be a lesser defense? Well, I, I think Russell Wilson has already proved that in the past that he can go out there and put up major fantasy points for you, and he can go out there and score 30, 40 points a game if he needs to. It's just a matter of, how how much is that de- the le- the losing of the players on defense? So there's no more Legion of Boom there in Seattle. How much is that going to affect the team as a whole? To where is the defense going to be have to be on the field more because the defense that's out there can't stop the opposing offense? If that's the case, then that leaves Russell Wilson sitting on the bench more more time than he's on the field. So how quickly can when he in the time he does get out there, how quickly can he go out there and score to keep up with what the opposing team is putting up against that that uh, depleted defense? So to, I think it's kind of hit and miss depending on how good the offenses they're playing against. But in that in that division, they should still be able to compete and be up mm-hmm. there. I mean, obviously the Rams com- have completely rebuilt their defense this week and uh, with all, with their signings and the people they're supposedly bringing in and trades and all that and their, their offense, we saw what they did last year. So I think the Rams are just kind of head and shoulders above everybody else right now. And Seattle with their defense on the decline, their offense is really going to have to kick it up. And Russell Wilson's got to be the leader of that. Hmm. JT, uh, before we uh, leave football, uh, what, one of the things I want to get into is uh, getting back to Miami and, and still hearing for everybody calling for Town and Hill's head and all this stuff. What do you want with your first round pick? And are you keeping Tannehill or are you going to try and trade him? Um, with our first round pick, we need two things on that team still. We still need defensive back help and we still need offensive line help. Uh, Tannehill, I think anyone last year that was knocking Tannehill, well, we got a chance to see what we look like without Tannehill. The numbers were a lot better with him than they were without him. So I think Tannehill deserves another year. Um, 
could we go to quarterback later in the draft? Possibly. But at this point, stick with Tannehill. I think we need to get either offensive line uh, or, again, defensive back. Uh, we did a, you know, I know you and I participated in a mock draft on one of the uh, chat chat rooms on Facebook. We do. And uh, I, if Denzel Ward's still sitting there with Miami picks, I'd love to see him go. I'd like to get defensive back to go with Xavier Howard. We've got some quarterbacks in our division, are going to have some quarterbacks in our division along with Tom Brady. I think the Jets are going to sign a big name. And I think Buffalo is going to have a new quarterback. So I'd like to see us get that backside of our defense shored up. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And would you go now, and just to follow that up, though, with Tannehill and your uncertainty about him, second round, is that are you going to go – are you getting a quarterback in this draft, I should ask? I would think somewhere in the second or third round. Again, I don't see that much separation from the top quarterback down to the five, six, seven quarterback. This is a good year. There's some good arms that are coming out. I personally don't see the next Aaron Rodgers slash, you know, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck type coming out, but I see some good quarterbacks come out in this draft. So I don't think there's any reason to spend what you'd have to spend the first round to get one. I think you can get one in the second or third round, and we need to. Don't okay. forget, Matt Moore is a free agent. So is Jay Cutler. So there's really nothing other than, uh, you know, a bunch of no-names at this point behind, behind Tannehill. So you have to get something. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, I, I, at least that's the way I see it. Now, Tate, let me ask you something. And I, I, there was something that's been bugging me, and I, it, it's perfect timing because it, it's. I was talking football, but I, I really want to talk hockey uh, with you. Been dying to talk hockey with you. Haven't had the opportunity to talk hockey with you. We've talked JT and I extensively. We've had. Ken Danico on the show. We've talked about the finals and, and we've had a bunch of people on with predictions. I want to hear first your prediction for the cup final. And then I'm, I'm going to ask you for a sleeper before I go ask JT. Well, I think the sleeper is going to be the uh, Las Vegas Knights. I mean, they're, they're uh, expansion team. And they're out there just surprising everybody with how well they're doing this year. Um, so I think it's a, they're kind of a given on the sleeper side of things. Um, as far as uh, otherwise a cup, cup final prediction, I just see Tampa Bay, the way that they've been playing so far this year, just so far ahead of everybody and just completely gelling as a team, doing what they've done the last few years. But uh you know, they're just completely head and shoulders above everybody, in my opinion. So I just, I would, I would think that the uh, lightning are definitely right there. As far as the Western conference, besides, besides the golden Knights, um, Nashville, I mean, they were right there last year. So honestly, I, I see it being a likelihood of uh, Nashville and Tampa. I mean, Nashville is on a uh, 10 game, game streak right now of winning so true true exactly uh, that is uh it seems to be a consensus among uh myself you and, and kenny naturally we have the pittsburgh penguin fan throwing in his penguins uh at everybody two times back-to-back cup champs i've said you you exactly. can't discount them it, 
as much no, as no. as much as we we may want to as non penguin fans, you can't yeah. count them. That like JT just said, they are two time back to back champions. They know how to get it done. That is for sure. That is for sure. So now, as we're getting ready, as they're getting ready for their playoffs, you know, uh, those of us playing in Yahoo uh, Fantasy Hockey, we are coming up on the final two weeks of our playoffs. And now let me ask you, anybody that you're looking at to get people through these next two weeks? Well, I'll uh, I'll mention a couple goalies. I've got uh, two guys for people to look at. Um Number one being Kari Lettinen. Ben Bishop's been banged up a little bit, and uh, he's. Uh, they've said that he's on the current on the current road trip with the team, but he's probably not start re- starting skating, resuming skating again till at least early next week. So Kari Lettinen is somebody that has probably been overlooked and uh, may still be out there on a lot of uh, waiver wires. I saw he's only owned in like fifteen percent on ESPN. Um, but uh, Kari Lettinen has 25 games. He's 12-7-2 with a 2.24 goals against average and a 9.21 save percentage. So he's not uh, not a horrible. The other one to possibly look at would be uh, Jonathan Bernier in Colorado. Uh, he's played 31 games this year, but he's missed a bunch for the last month. He hasn't played more or less since Valentine's Day with a concussion and the symptoms from that. But he just came off. Uh, the other day, yesterday, or today, I believe, but uh, he's in 31 games, 18-11-2, with a 2.81 goals against average and a 9.14 save percentage. Uh, Varlamov has been starting there mostly, and uh, he's at 2.85 goals against average with a 9.13 save percentage. So maybe Bernier gets gets a bulk of the starts now that he's back and healthy and over the concussion. So uh, Jonathan Bernier and Kari Letton and a couple goalies to look at if you need that down the stretch. Nice. Nice. You always need a goalie. You can always pull a goalie, uh, and you need solid goaltending. They are countable stats, so that is uh, real good stuff, real good stuff. Might even want to uh, keep an eye on Tristan Jarry lately uh, for Pittsburgh, and especially because he plays so many – Pittsburgh plays so many games during these last two weeks, uh, and the guy that I can't really see them – I mean, tonight he's getting uh, – getting hit. He's playing Toronto. He's let up two in the first period. But prior to that, he's been on a little bit of a roll now as the guy filling in uh, for Murray until Murray comes back. I don't see them rushing Murray back uh, prior to the playoff. No need. That'll be interesting. Keep an eye on him as well. Good stuff though, Tate. JT, before I go ahead, give mine. You have somebody that you've been keeping an eye on lately? Oh, yeah. You look at 26-year-old forward Ryan Spooner from New York Rangers. Available across most formats, 85% availability in Yahoo. Uh, was acquired from Boston at the deadline. Uh, you know, they, they Boston, I don't understand why they traded this kid. You look at what this kid did for their team. Now you look at him actually playing some major minutes with the Rangers. Uh, they paired him with Kevin Hayes. That was the dream of, of uh, the Rangers to do that. And you look at the guy, 11 goals, 35 points in 45 games. Uh, I believe he's got 10 points since he's been with the Rangers and a guy that just looks like he's on the cusp of breaking out 85% ownership or non-ownership kids should be owned in a lot more teams. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, And I've got to go ahead then and throw in at least somebody real quick. 
before we go ahead and uh, talk about the sponsors and whatnot, we've got some great people to talk about. I've got to give you, and it's a home guy. I'm sorry, uh, the devil, but he is playing some what great defenses. He's, he's playing some great defense, though. I'm not going to go ahead and mislead the people just to go ahead and give a devil. That, that's just wrong. Uh, and here's why. Sammy Vatnin is finally getting comfortable. The Devils picked him up midseason. He's getting comfortable with that offense, and his minutes are taking a jump. But there are times that he his low end is 23 minutes a game. His high end, they're playing him 27. The other day, almost 28 minutes in a game. And you know why? Because over his last seven, he's got seven points, folks. And he's taking a ton of shots on net. He's averaging three shots on net a game. And for those of you who play shot with shots on goal, you know how much that counts. One of the other things, though, is this: of those seven points over the last over the last seven games, five of them have been on the power play. So you're getting power play points too. Just a good guy to keep an eye on, not just cause he's a devil. Moving right along, though, and one of the things I'm happy to talk about right now, folks, is, you know, we just started our spring training coverage. We've got this week, uh, we're going to go ahead and start touching on the Yankees and what I found out here in spring training. And then uh, we're going to talk about what Tate and all and JT found out over in Arizona. And then next week, we're going to go ahead and give the rest of everything because there's so much information to give. That's going to take this week and next week's show uh, to give you, especially what Tate and JT have. Uh, look forward to next week's special show where we have extensive Cactus League coverage from the two of them. Really looking forward to that. One of the things I'd like to thank, and you know, for those of you who may be new to the Fantasy Jester show, uh, I've gone out during spring training and uh, I've talked to a lot of the people that didn't know the Fantasy Justice Show and what we do and what, what we're about. And the idea that, you know, all of us, JT, Tate, myself, the writers, all feel that sports needs that breath of fresh air where you go ahead and you bring positive to the sports world. Yes, it's numbers and it's great stories, but it, it's the positive end of it because People are really just tired of the negative. But it's also using this platform to help the children of the world, something that every person here at the Fantasy Justice Show or FantasyJusticeSports.com feels strongly about is helping children. We are slowly but surely building our track record to show and reflect. With that in mind, one of my recent trips was – a sponsored trip. It's the first ever. I, I, I'm blown away by the idea, and I'm very grateful for it. I'd like to thank AAD. They're a local. They're here in Florida. They're an outreach program. They helped for the last 15 years here in Florida. They have helped the homeless. They have helped children. And they understand where we're trying to build this to. See, because the bigger you all help us get, the more we can help those innocent children. 
whether it's through Make-A-Wish or the Gary Ruots of the world or the Ronald McDonald Foundation or any of the other charities that we try and work with and help. It is about giving back to that community. So you know what? Tell your friends, because the more we have of your friends, the more we can help the innocent children of the world. AAD, thank you, thank you, thank you for being one of our sponsors. Let's go ahead, folks. Let's get to this baseball trip. You know, because one of the things about this baseball trip was being able to go ahead and, you know, see my beloved Yankees. And one of the things I was able to do, he was walking by. For those of you who are Yankee fans out there, the, one of the announcers, and, and he's got a, a prominent role because for those people who don't know what it's like to be a Yankee fan, you, you, grow, you grew up with uh, Phil Rizzuto and, and Frank Messer and Bill White and all that as your announcers, and you've had to get used to Michael Kay, and Michael Kay's been with him a little bit, and I had the opportunity at Yankees camp to get a second of his time, got a nice pick by a second of his time to ask him the following. Michael, fantasy Justin, I just want to ask you something. As, as a broadcaster, you've been with the Yankees a while now. What's your favorite call? What was your favorite time as a Yankee broadcaster? I don't have a favorite call. The favorite team was 98. It's the best team I've ever seen. They were fun yeah. to watch. They never lost. This is going to be a fun team to watch, too, I think. It should be unbelievable. Thank you very much, Michael. And that is true. This should be a fun team to watch, but one of the things you don't want to watch, and this is the first thing I learned from my trip, JT, Tate, you guys. Tate is a fellow Yankee fan, so you're with me here. But JT is going to be happy about the next bit of news. They are trying to put Stanton every once in a while in left field. For you Yankee fans out there, you don't want to see that. Okay, because you know what? I was at the game where he was playing left field, and he was damn lucky. It was a local scorer at the scoring table. He committed three errors in left field that day and only got hit for one. You know, so that's that's the first thing I have to say about Yankee Camp. But one of the nicer guys that I met, and I, I have to give this Yankee player a shout-out, is Luis Severino. As soon as I explained who I was and what it was about, he made plenty of time for us as well, and a really good guy. Uh, JT, taking a look at this Yankee team, you once before mentioned something very interesting to me. You mentioned how important Tanaka would be to the staff and to the future of the Yankees. You still hold to that? Yeah, I mean, you look at what his talent level is. You look at the pitch repertoire he has. I think with the team he has behind him, I think Sonny Gray kind of falls into this as well. I think they can unleash some of those other pitches that they may not dare throw last year, the year before last, not knowing what they were going to have behind them. I think Tanaka's a guy that's got to be confident going into this season, and every Yankee pitcher has to be excited about what they have behind him because let's be honest, anyone listening – Tate, Jester, myself, we all have bad days at the office, man. We go in there and we just don't have it. And if he goes in there and they just don't have it, you got a team that can score 10 runs behind you uh, and still get you out of that mess, so to speak. Not to mention, as much as it makes me sick to say, a lights-out bullpen. So 
I think Tanaka is a huge part of the Yankee season. We know what we're going to get from Severino. I think Sonny Gray is going to be one. I think CeCe is good for 10 games. Jordan Montgomery, I'm high on him as well. I want to see it, though. So Tanaka is going to be your leader, though, not Severino this year, in my opinion. Let me ask you, I'm going to go Tate first, and then I want to come back to you on Tanaka. Tate, let me ask you, your level of importance in having Tanaka for the full season, if you're the New York Yankees, can they succeed and get to their goals without Tanaka? I think with the lineup that they have, yeah, they can – they can go out and like JT said, they can go out and put up 10, 15 runs on any given day. So yeah, they, they can probably still get to the playoffs and such, but if they want to make a run at the world series and winning, winning it all this year, then yes, absolutely. Tanaka has to be a key in that. He can't go out there and put up a, a four plus ERA like he has, has last year. Uh, he's got to go out there and be that lights out, superstar pitcher that you expected him to be when he came over from Japan. Uh, you know, that's just what it's going to come down to be. He, he, he's got to be solid out there. He's got to take advantage of, of his time on the Hill and be comfortable out there knowing that, yeah, if he does make one mistake and give up a, a home run here, he's got the, he's got the team behind him that can get him back in it. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated and just go out there and make your pitches and and pitch the way that you know you're capable of and don't let it don't let it get to you. Exactly. The uh you you're correct. Uh, and one of the things also that JT had mentioned in a conversation with me is the importance of possibly the Yankees picking up another arm just in case uh something happens with Tanaka. And that stuck in my head. And fortunately, during my three days, I got to see Tanaka start. And this is something that every Yankee fan really needs to pay attention to moving forward. As I watched the start, that he barely made it into the second inning, he got shelled for four runs in less than two innings. During that time, He kept extending his pitching arm out so that it was fully extended so that he was stretching out his elbow. At that same time and during this struggle, he kept turning that wrist with it so that he was turning it to the outside, turning it clockwise to the outside, bending his wrist, constantly trying to loosen something or something was bothering him. Now, I don't know. Uh, All I'm saying is this. If you're a Yankee fan or a fantasy owner of Tanaka, this is something to watch right now in preseason if he continues to struggle and is continually getting hit. He had no late movement on the ball that day. It was a – he looked awful. I saw Jordan Montgomery during that time – look better and throw crisper than I saw Tanaka throw. That to me is something to pay attention to because either a, he takes a while to loosen up through spring training or there might be an issue there 
and it's been one maybe that's been bothering him uh, and why he had a four uh, over four ERA last year. Well, you got to remember with him too, this is uh, Tanaka that uh, forewent the whole Tommy John surgery and took alternative treatment a couple years ago yeah. to uh, avoid the Tommy John surgery. So maybe there's something to that, that maybe there's something in there that uh, just isn't quite right yet. No, agreed. 100% agreed. And, uh, you know, before I go ahead and move on and uh, give another, I have another little snippet for you folks out there uh, regarding spring training. And uh, But before I do, no, uh, listen, as much as JT might not want to hear it, okay, no pitcher wants to face our lineup. And, Tate, you and I will be enjoying several times this year. Yankees win! Ah, Yankees win! Without a question. Always, Without a question. Always have to enjoy that. Always enjoy that. You got to. One of the things, and I'm going to go ahead because I want to leave you guys some time to talk about Cactus League. Folks, I'll continue my spring training coverage next week. We have a lot more to get into next week uh, regarding the spring training trip. I have to give you this part, though. For you folks out there that are Atlanta Brave fans, if you're an Atlanta Brave fan or you're a fantasy player looking at Atlanta Brave players, there are three young men that I took a look at that I saw and had the opportunity and the pleasure of watching. And to call them motivated is an understatement. But it's not just the motivation. It was you could see the drive, but they were having a good time doing it. And these three guys they literally had to chase them from batting practice. And the highly touted prospect, Acuna, not only had to be chased, but they were taking down everything around him, and he was still going, come on, one more, one more. That's how much he wants to work at his craft. So when I take a look at Ozzy Albies and Acuna, and Camargo, I'm going to remember what I saw at camp. is three guys having fun as they were working hard. That's something to keep in mind. It was very impressive how they pushed each other, how they talked to each other, and how they kept on hitting that cage over and over as many times as they could in the given time and they were given extra time because uh, on that occasion, the Yankees uh, had a team meeting and didn't have batting practice that day. So they had extended batting practice. And those three guys took advantage of that. Something to pay attention to when you pay it, watching these guys. Now, as much as that's important, we have more important fantasy baseball coverage to you from the Cactus League now. JT, lead us off. Where, what do you and Tate want to first give everybody of your impression of this trip? Well, I mean, first thing I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you go out to the Cactus League is uh, the quality of the actual facilities. 
Not going to get into that too much tonight. We'll talk about that on the next show. We've got a lot to tell you about these places. But just uh, you want to talk about, and someone you're coming to someone who's an Oakland fan. I know what a crappy facility looks like. Trust me. So these places are cathedrals to baseball. Uh, beautiful stadiums. You know, the fans out there were fantastic. Tate and I met a lot of people that you should sit down and start talking baseball with. It's, you know, you don't do that really in football, especially not if you're a visitor going to an Eagles game. You're usually running for your life at that point. Um, you know, hockey, you don't really do it. Basketball, anyway. Baseball, these people, it, it, it just seemed like a brotherhood. I really enjoyed the people uh, that I met, the fans, and they're true fans that were out there for these games. Um, you know, you get to see some all-time greats, Willie McCovey, uh, you know, Ferguson Jenkins, to name a couple off my side, uh, that I got a chance to see. So just a beautiful area, beautiful place for baseball, warm weather, and some really good competition. Nice, nice. Kate, how about you? What did you take away from the trip first? Um, Like JT said, uh, the biggest the biggest thing was – the, the facilities out there were absolutely phenomenal. Um, every single one of them was top notch, and it, it was just it was a pleasure to be able to watch a game in the in the facilities out there. Every one of them was fairly intimate setting. I think the biggest stadium was probably ten eleven thousand uh, max capacity, but uh, there wasn't a bad seat in the house in in any of them. Even uh, even sitting out on the grass out in the outfield, uh, just awesome. Um, I've posted a bunch of pictures on my Facebook. I know JT posted pictures on his. Uh, if you if you're on there, feel free to give us check us out. But uh, you know the the idea of the facilities that we saw, getting to run in like JT with the people that you know just sitting down at our seat, uh, the people sitting next to us say, hey, how are you, where are you from? And then you just start talking baseball about your respective teams or just baseball as a whole. And can't tell you how many how many games we sat there watching the game, but also having full-on baseball conversations with the people in front of us, the people behind us, and the people on both sides of us. And every, every single one of them was fairly knowledgeable on uh, what they knew both on their team and on the uh, the opposing teams. But it, that was just so much fun to be able to uh, partake in that. Uh, JT mentioned a couple of legends. The uh, the one day we were at the uh, Dodgers-Angels game at Tempe Diablo Stadium, and I'm walking down the concourse to go to our seat. I turn around, and standing right there next to me is Tommy Lasorda, Dodgers legend. So, I mean, getting to see guys like that and some, sometimes interacting with them, sometimes not. But getting to see guys like that, being down by down by the field, having access to these players, and just the most of most of the teams, most of the guys, even the big name guys, for the most part, were were gracious with their time, signing balls for kids, uh, signing balls for adults, uh, but just taking the time and signing signing for people and spending time with their fans. Hey, so it was great hey, you to mentioned- see. You mentioned a couple big-name players. Got to throw a few out there. You know, we've seen guys like Trout. We saw Kershaw. We saw Kluber. We saw Madison Baumgartner. You know, these are some of the people we got a chance to see out there. Yoan Moncada, uh, you know, that White Sox lineup 
looks like it's going to be one to, to reckon with. So who are some of the uh, some of the players that stood out in your mind? Well, like you, like you said, we got to see all these pitchers. Uh, I enjoyed watching Garrett Richards the one day uh, against the Dodgers. It was Kershaw versus Garrett Richards. Uh, talk about a, a top-notch matchup, and both of them seem mm-hmm. to be in regular season form. Um, right. You know, Kershaw, Kershaw without, without saying too much of what we're going to talk about on a future show, Kershaw made Otani on one pitch just look like a complete fool. Um, and Kershaw, on, the, yeah. on the other hand, on, it's, I mean, it's Clayton Kershaw, though. So you'd expect that for anybody. And on the other hand, on that same matchup, Garrett Richards went out there, pitched four innings, and put up seven strikeouts. So right, and you know something from that game. I got I got to throw out there. Albert Pujols has dropped about twenty pounds. He looks quicker. He's playing first base, uh, moving well. It looks like the bat speed is back. Uh, Jason Kipnis. The rumors of his demise are far, far, far too harsh. (laughs) You get a guy batting. 500 with six home runs, 12 RBIs in what, 22 at-bats so far this spring. Uh, look at him out in the field. I've also heard rumors that they could kick Jose Ramirez over to second, play Yandy Diaz at third. You'll have Lindor short and move Kipnis to the outfield, which he did play some outfield in the playoffs a couple times uh, and did well there. So a guy like Kipnis. Uh, one other guy that i got to mention, Ian Happ, uh, super utility player for the Cubs, coming in about 429 four homers, eight RBIs, a guy that could play second, left, right, probably play some third base too if they needed to in a pinch. Uh, these are some of the guys that I saw out there that looked absolutely fantastic. Got to go to the flip side real quick. One player, he's on my team. I got to knock him. Chris Davis, you get that kind of money to you, bud. You got to do more than 160 in the in, in Cactus League, bud. 160, <laughs> are you kidding me? I can fall out of bed and hit 160. Pick it up, bud. Pick Claire? it up. Clarify that's Chris with a K for the Oakland A's, not Chris with a Correct. C for the Baltimore Orioles. Correct. Correct. And you know what? Speaking of something, I, I've got a, two things I have to go out there and share. Uh, one of them is that Russell Wilson was at Yankee camp that day. And I had to, I, I, I you reminded me about this hitting the 160 part. Um, Russell Wilson to buy his football, my brother. Very nice guy. Got a chance to say hi to him. He waved back. Got a good picture with him and all that stuff. Very nice young man. Fantastic football player. He was completely overmatched in the one at bat that he got. They, they, he's taking time and pitches from a player that might actually have a chance that might actually be trying to make it, you know, that don't, that somebody that doesn't have an NFL contract sitting there waiting for him. Uh, that's, that, that was one thing from the Yankee camp. The other thing real quick, and I want to ask Tate one more question uh, before we do go. The whole hand ram incident, folks, if you haven't heard about this, just real quick. Hanram went from telling me to F off to giving me a hug and a signed baseball. Funny story on this, and that ball will be up for auction real soon for Make-A-Wish of North Central Florida. Um, I cheered him on. I was like, go, Ram, come on, man, hit one out during batting practice. 
He turned to me, looked at me, and went, F you. I didn't know why. I was pretty shocked. So afterwards, he gets out of the cage, and he's between the cage and me. I'm like, hey, Ram, I wasn't saying anything bad to you, my man. I was cheering you on. I actually have you on a couple of teams in fantasy. And he comes on over, and he's like, oh, my bad, my bad. He gives me a big hug. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a fan. I got you on some fantasy teams. Don't let me down this year. And he starts laughing. I go, hey, while you're here, can you sign the ball for make a wish? He's like, yeah, man, sure, no problem. So we have that ball. We'll be putting it up there on auction. I had to tell that story. Um, that's one that I, I was going to wait till next week, but we have so much for next week. Tate, speaking of uh, next week, are you yes, going sir. to go ahead? Yeah, uh, talking about next week, are you going to finally divulge? I know you have a couple of guys, uh, and, and you have people placed in the Cleveland organization. Are, are you ready to talk about what you've seen next week, at, at Cleveland? Are you gonna? Are you actually gonna let us in on those secrets, maybe? Because you know, it'd be nice. I, I, it's very nice for you to share it with JT and myself. But will you be able to go ahead and give the people next week uh, what you found out while you were in Cleveland? We will try to give try to give some information. There's there's some things I can't share, but uh, we will try and give some information that will help people with their fantasy their fantasy drafts and their fantasy teams for the season. Uh, JT mentioned the. Uh, the one thing with uh, Kipnis possibly playing outfield. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, but we've got some other little tidbits that uh, we can share, but uh, we'll have to wait till next week. Nice. Nice. Tate, uh, I can't believe this. We are almost out of time. Uh, thanks for joining us. I look forward to next week with uh, everything that you guys have put together. I've heard some of the package already looking forward to uh, looking forward to hearing from you next week. Thanks so much for everything today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Sorry for the uh, delay getting in with the technical difficulties, but uh, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs> now you got in right at the perfect time, uh, right as we were talking Buffalo, like you uh, felt the force or something. JT, as always, good stuff, my man. I definitely, as uh, as always, looking forward to next week, what you have. Thanks so much for everything this week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. And hey, listen, folks, just remember one thing. You know, I want to go ahead. JT, Tate alluded to it earlier, to all the facilities that had us out. We cannot, we, we sat and we talked. We cannot say one negative thing about any of them yet so far. Some really class organizations and some great times at the ballpark. And we want to give a shout out to all those places and also the fans. You know, the fans were absolutely fantastic to myself, the kids. The kids, I'll tell you, they're really doing a great job with the kids. And, uh, you know, how it all brings back memories. If you go to the ballpark, it's like a day back in time. No matter what, if you walk into a baseball stadium, you feel like a kid once again. So even if it's once during the season, it's a great way to relax, breathe deep, enjoy. Take a day at the park. People used to go to the pole park, to any park, to relax. Be good to you. Go relax. Build memories. Go see some baseball. Tune in next week. 
I am the Fantasy Jester. This has been Strikes, Mikes, and Tykes. I am out of here.